is the Fan Afternoon Show on 1250 AM. The Fan, I'm Toby Altizer. That is Adam Roberts joining us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, host of the Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball Postgame Show, Tim Allen. Timmy, what's going on, man? What's happening? Hearing some Def Leppard there. Let's get rocked. I think that's Def Leppard. I was watching a show last night. You know, people wonder what I do to escape a little bit. Uh, Reels and Access TV, along with my <laughs> news talk stuff. Some old school stuff. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, it 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 was a it was a pretty cool story on on Def Leppard. So yeah, just ch- kind of trying to chill out with this bad brewer role we're on. Yeah, no kidding. A couple things, Tim. So we were supposed to spend just the first hour on it. Turns out I pulled Sparky back into the studio with the topic. Had calls all throughout the first hour. Haven't really had time for anything else. So we've been talking pretty much Brewers baseball the entirety of the hour and a half I've been on the air so far. And we started off with this. What do you honestly want out of the Brewers? Because I'm looking at it, and I go on Twitter last night, and you know how it can be after a Brewers game where they lose to the Pirates, or really anybody. It's freaking out, sell it, Mark Adonazio's cheap, all the different things. And I was asking people, like, what do you want out of this team? They're sitting here at 48-39. and They're in first place. Are they as good as you'd like? No. But are they as bad as some people make them out to be? No. So, simple question to start out here, Tim. Is this baseball team good, and how good are they? Yeah, they're, they're a good baseball team, and, and it starts with, number one, they're not bad. Okay, let's just clear that up right mm-hmm. now. They're, they are not a bad baseball team. Can they play bad? Yes. They, they can, and they have, uh, honestly, at times. But they're a good baseball team. And, and what you want out of it, and I, I think this is the transition period uh, of what we're experiencing as as Brewers fans. And, and we've all been Brewers fans. It's all we know. We can't flip the switch and say, no, nope, I'm going to go off. And I tried doing that once. I claimed, I don't know if you know this, Toby, but I claimed back in uh, 2002, okay, heading into that season, I said, if they don't, if they don't make the playoffs again because they were on that bad playoff, non-playoff role there, if they don't get into the playoffs, I'm done. I'm all done. I'm going to be a Diamondbacks or a Rockies or a White Sox fan. Those are my three choices. And I'm, I'm going to, and I picked the White Sox because of proximity. You know, they're, they're sure. closer. You see more. You can go to more. But and, not the Cubs. That. Definitely not the Cubs. They're actually the closest in proximity. But I wasn't going there. We all know that. So I, I claim to do, want to do that. And then I, you, you can't do that. You no. can't flip that switch a little bit. And, and so, you know, you hang with them and... Um, you you crack the seal in 2008, and then in 2011, you're two games away from the World Series. Fast forward to 2018, and you're one game, actually eight innings away from the World Series as you had the lead in that game uh, early on. And, and, then, and then this is the important transitionary part here that you've now made the playoffs four consecutive years. You say what you want about 2020, but it was against your peers, and you were the one, one of the teams that got in, okay? Now it's time to t- really transition to that next step. It is, and it's okay to, to, to raise that bar up. And I'm not going to sit here and say um, that it's exactly like the Green Bay Packers, where you, you want Super Bowl, right? That's what you want. That's what you expect. It's Aaron Rodgers. It was you know, Devontae Adams and company. And you expect that. And then when you don't get it, then, hey, what happened to the season? Well, we didn't do it again. We got to go right back at it and try and win a Super Bowl championship. Mm -hmm. We're we're now 
interfacing that sort of philosophy with the Brewers. It's not wrong to want a World Series from this team. And that's where the frustration comes in. Certainly for me it does, and I think for Brewers fans as well, it's okay to want a championship. It is. It's all right. Once the season's done, if and when you get eliminated, fine. Pick up the pieces. Maybe enjoy some of the ride that you just had all summer long. Maybe in, enjoy some of the fun that you had all summer long. Uh, the competitive spirit, the pennant race, the playoff games, all that. That's okay to pick up those pieces afterwards. But in the heat of battle, Toby, I think we want a World Series now. And so nine games over, it's perspective. It is. Are they a good team? Yes. Are they good enough to win a World Series? And that is the big debate. That is where, where the rubber hits the road. And that's, that's the conversation that has to be had. I know they do. They want it, too. I mean, and, and so now I, I would say about half the Brewer fan base is, yeah, let's raise that bar. The other half is, hey, they're doing pretty good. Aren't they doing pretty good? Aren't they good? They're in first place and all that. We're all right with that. So there's there's two different sides of that. Yeah, and I think we've kind of got all perspectives so far today, Tim. You know, Sparky came in and was like, I think Brewers fans, or at least some Brewers fans, have shifted over to that point that you were talking about of, it's no longer about just getting into the playoffs. Let's mm-hmm. win one of these things. Tim, did you ever think that, I mean, right now or even in your lifetime, you'd be sitting here looking at a Brewers team that's looking to go to its fifth straight playoffs. It's in first place almost at the All-Star break right now against the Cardinals. And one, you've got teams or people saying that this team should sell, which I think is ludicrous, but they won a World Series. And the, the expectations for this Brewers team have gone from let's get into the dance to now let's win this World Series. Did you think you'd ever see that? Yeah, well, I, <laughs> we're always hopeful. And sometimes you wondered. Sometimes you wondered back in, in 2005 and 2006, Toby, you know, we were, believe it or not, we were sort of celebrating late in the year of having a, quote, non-losing season. So there were many years in there where you were just sub-500 at the end of the year every year. So then, you know, to have relevant baseball in September, we were eyeballing this, wow, they can end up 500 or better. And so, so you know, you get to that point where it's, Hey, they're not a losing team. And that's what I, <laughs> you know, you know, my spin was like, hey, you can't call them a loser anymore. You know, <laughs> it's like a technicality. Yeah. They're not a losing team. They were 82 and 80. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it, it is, it's, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to have a, a collective group of people all feel the same way. It's, it's, and, and well, that we're all human beings and we all have different, angles and philosophies and theories and concepts and uh but I, I do think it's time now where where we should this is me where we should expect the world series and we and here's here's why here's here's pretty important factor in my world if you if you don't set the goal as a championship all your decision making underneath that has that interface with it so if you say, well, we want to make sure we, we go by steps, we want to go 500, we want to get, first you got you to crawl before you walk. I don't believe in that. I just don't believe in that because then the decisions you make along the way are based upon that goal. And that goal is, hey, let's just get into the playoffs. 
You know, then then you're making decisions. You're not sliding a bunch of chips in like really all World Series contenders do. They do. They tack on and they tack on big and they fill fill the void where they where it's needed. So I I think it's you know Hugh Jackson who got run out of Cleveland, right? Mm-hmm. I recall hearing his. Uh, I believe it was one of his first press conferences in Cleveland, and I really admired what he said. And and in essence, what he said was, and it didn't turn out this way. Believe me, I think he lost like what thirty out of thirty-two games there, or whatever it was. Yeah, something. But he he said, "My job is to win a Super Bowl. I don't care mm-hmm. what anybody says." You remember that? I don't know if you yeah. recall that. Yeah. And I admired that a lot, and I think that's where it has to be at the most elite level in your game, whether it's football or basketball or baseball. That has to be the goal because then every decision, you know, kind of kind of is uh, hand in glove with that goal. So and 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 it's okay to believe that. And this whole rhetoric about, you know, the Brewers will never, they're never going to win a World Series. Well, let's 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 just wait and let's hold off on that because. This is this is really a point in which the clock is ticking, and we've said that that about Rodgers to put another football spin on it. Said that about Rodgers, and and it just sometimes it doesn't happen. But um, I, I do believe that we're, we're we're transitioning again. We're we're getting there to the point where World Series are bust. That's where I want it to be. I do. Yeah, and a couple questions about this team in particular. Looking at it going forward. Do you think that, you know, we assume they're going to make a move at the deadline. David Stearns always tends to make something happen, whether it's just a middle reliever or whatever he's going to do. He's going to go get somebody. But is bringing in just one bat or one reliever, maybe even just two, whatever the case may be, is that really going to be enough to fix this baseball team to make them a World Series contender or have them be a front runner for the World Series? Or is it still just going to be one of those get in and hope things no matter what they do? Yeah, I well, I will cite the example of Damas last year. So one guy did make a difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, it he, they did. They they went seventy four and forty four. Once Adamas set foot into a Brewers uniform, so I, I that it can be done. Will it? You know, will they strike lightning twice with with a you know one bat acquisition? I, I think it does tend to pep things up a little bit. I still say they're a better offense than what they're showing. I, I do. You know what's funny is I, I look back. As a matter of fact, this morning, Toby that you know how did we get where we're at with this offense what what was going on especially early because we forget about baseball in april so i went back and i looked at my own game log and game notes and i didn't realize this now this this is where this is this is where the devil is in the details they they acquired mccutcheon to beat up on left-handed pitching you know they're they're uh, Hunter Renfro, McCutcheon, these guys, there's Keston Hira. They're supposed to hammer like Braun did. Braun just ate up lefties. Well, they lost that uh, the last couple of years, and, and they needed to remedy that and fix that. Did you realize, and it didn't work, by the way, it didn't work. You realize they faced nine lefty starters in the month of April. Really? And it, and it got the offense off to a really scuffling start a little bit. It did. And... You know, two of those uh, nine, Toby, were uh, openers. So it wasn't like a, a true starter. But you, you can equate it to a lefty starter because the lineup against that lefty starter was based on a lefty starter. Yeah. So it's not like he had, you know, Telez and, and Wong and all these, these left-handed bats in there. He maneuvered his, his lineup, Craig Council did, to face a lefty. So there were nine lefty starters 
in that month of April. And I think they scuffled out of the shoot against those lefties. I think that they were one and six at one point, one and five at one point uh, in the win-loss column against those lefties. Now they recovered late in the, in the month there to keep it a little bit honest, but you know, that that's how you know you get on a bad roll and, and you think that you know we're never going to get out of this. Well, that may have been a, a fire starter for an offense that has been struggling. It just may be one thing that that contributed to it. Yeah, and one thing that's been talked about today on both shows, Bart talked about it this morning, they talked about it on the big show a little bit, and I think it comes from a Bob Nightingale piece where they yep, said that yep. Josh Hader should be available. Are you entertaining offers for Josh Hader? Because I would tend to say no, but Sparky brought up maybe you could trade him to the Dodgers, and if you could bring in some prospects and a guy like Gavin Lux, it's not necessarily a selling move as much as it is a – I guess you could call it a retooling move or something like that. It's it's not selling, it's not rebuilding, but you bring in someone that can help the offense right now, but in turn, you have to scoot some of those relievers back into some more higher leverage roles. I still don't think I would do it. Where would you stand on Hater? I, I would always listen. Everybody has their price. Always listen. Someone may blow you away with an offer that you just, <laughs> sorry, I can't refuse it. It's just like your fantasy football team, Doug Melvin, and I disagree with this for years. Doug Melvin says, this isn't fantasy football. Well, it kind of is. Actually, it kind of is, Doug, because you're negotiating these guys for these guys. Mm-hmm. Pretty much the same concept. It is. No knock on Doug Melvin. Uh, I, I do appreciate what he's done for this organization. It Just to catch uh, listeners up, Bob Nightingale um, – in his latest uh, piece, says exactly this. The Milwaukee Brewers, who entered the weekend with a three-game lead in the Central over the Cardinals, have informed teams they are willing to listen to offers for all-star closer Josh Hader. It doesn't mean they'll trade Hader, and they certainly do love uh, having the greatest closer in the game. That's cool. Uh, But they believe they can trade Hader, acquire plenty of young talent in return, and still win the NL Central. See, that's where I, that's that philosophy right there. Uh, it ties right in. It's, it's not good enough to just win the Central. Is he right? Yeah, because Williams slides into the nine spot and, and you're set. You're, you're good to go. He's, he's going to be one of the closer, best closers in the game himself. Devin is. Mm-hmm. So do you have a surplus there? I, I, I guess in a way, but does it help fill the need or fill the void on an offense? or a couple of relievers, and a prospect or two. So I would listen, but and you should always listen. So that didn't surprise me that, yeah, we'll, t- we'll take some. Hey, what, what do you got? I mean, we all would, wouldn't we? I mean, you're not going to slam the door and hang up the phone. So you got to listen. So would I do it? Um, I, I, I don't think so. Um, just off the surface here, I, I just I think that's a recipe that has been known to work for Craig Council, and that is, you know, depending on what you think of Oxberger, and that's where another reliever is needed. But God has stepped in, Milner has stepped in. That bullpen's pretty good still, guys. They sprung a little bit of a leak here lately when that's going to happen, but they're a pretty good bullpen. But the recipe is get the starters to the six, through six or even into the sixth and lock it in from there with your bullpen. That's playoff baseball. Now, on the other hand, can the offense put up three or four runs while your staff is locking things down? That is the key question. So do you balance it by 
you know, moving a hater, and, and now you've got to fill the void there with the sixth and seventh innings because it's Box in the eighth and, and Williams in the ninth. I just don't think that that's a, a lockdown recipe for a World Series, just on the surface, but I'd have to hear the offer. One last question for you here, Tim, before we get to some draft mockery, because this question comes up because last week I was in with Bart, and Paul Emig comes on, and we do our mm-hmm, mm-hmm segments, and he was asking us, if you had to pick the most valuable position player, not pitcher, but position player, would you pick someone other than Willie Adamas? And I had to ask Paul. I was like, Paul, can you like explain your logic? And he's like, the war, according to, I think it was Fangraphs, had him as the highest rated position player. And the reason behind it is because his on-base is low, his batting average is low, but his slugging percentage is so high. And so then looking at that, Tim, are you fine with this new ideology that kind of comes around that, you know, generally you'd like to see it higher on base, but batting average doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the guy's batting 215, but he's got a high slugging, he's got a high on base, because that's kind of where baseball's going, and I don't know that I like that. No, I, d- I definitely don't. And and we've been I've been known to go on tirades because of it, because of a batting average. I mean, I I just, I don't know where that went and how that came about. Why is it, you know, so we say that that's the change of the game because, uh, you know, starters are are that much bigger, better, faster, stronger. And then we say, well, relievers definitely are. We would cross the board. Everybody in their pens got guys that are going, you know, gas in 96 to 100. Every every single team has those guys. That's just the way the world there. Okay, well, and that's fine. If it were across the board, so it, but it's not across the board on batting averages. Why is it okay to have a guy like Brian Reynolds hit 270? Why is it okay for for these other guys to have batting averages that are acceptable? 280, 290, 292, 288. Why is that okay? It, how does how is that happening to where they do it? Yet starters, relievers, bigger, stronger, faster. The game has changed. It's launch angle. It's this. It's that. It's all of these metrics. And But why is it okay? That's just not right. It, this is about players. And why is, it, why is it an excuse for most of the league when batting averages are at 208 or 215? But then other players can handle it just fine. They're just fine. That's baseball. That's baseball. You put the bat on the ball. You, you're fundamentally sound. And the other thing, yeah, so I, you know, again, I flip over the back of the baseball card. Well, the first column I always looked at was batting average. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I just did. That's that's the way it was. Well, the way I told Bart, it's the simplest good stat in sports. You come up and you explain baseball to someone, and you say, "Well, what's batting average? Uh, it's how many times this guy comes to play, and how often does he get a hit?" And um, hits so yes. simple. It's pretty pretty simple hitting because all the other metrics fall. You know, in the line with that, you keep hitting the ball, your slugging percentage goes up. Your on-base percentage definitely goes up. People wonder about that. You just got to hit. The other thing is, Toby, that we touched on it briefly maybe yesterday uh, or the day before, uh, and that is the fundamentals of the game. Yeah. The throwing, hitting the cut, the communication on the field, um, how, how players these days, and it's not just in Milwaukee here. It's, it's uh, other markets. How these guys lost the ability, it evolved to, you can't throw a ball accurately 63 feet. 
You can't throw a ball into an eight-foot circle toward a Rowdy Telez. Just get it within an eight-foot circle of the first baseman from 73 feet away. From, go you one further. From 96 feet away. Holy cow, Tim. The throw that Keston Hira had from left field the other day to try to gun a guy at third? No doubt. No doubt. And, and that <laughs> One was, of the worst that was, I've ever seen. Toby, it was blatant, and they knew. And that was the scouting uh, of Keston Hira being in left field by the Pirates. And they said, hey, anytime you go first to third, go right on him. Go in his face. That, that base runner had the play in front of him. Normally, the play in front of you going to third is to left field where you can kind of see. You can, you judge. You don't need a third base coach mm-hmm. to, to have any indicator. He just slapped he just slapped Keston here around and scoffed at him and said, try it. Yeah, I mean. I know you can't. Real quick, Tim, this is a team with very small margins, right? This it team is. is built on low scoring on, off, or on defense and then hopefully scoring enough on offense. And those kind of plays right there where Keston Hira can't keep a guy from going second to third, where the offense can't get a guy in, runners on the corners, no one out. Those are the kind of things that lose you baseball games. And I I, I think for me and you, who generally tend to be more optimistic on this baseball team, we we think that this team can do things, but when they keep doing stuff like that, Tim, that's why I'm sitting there like, uh, maybe I'm Uh, wrong. I don't. Just just real quick, I know we got to get to mockery, but it it, it just – I don't know where that went, and I don't want to be the get-off-my-lawn guy. I really don't. I understand the game has changed, and I'm changing with it. I love the extra inning rule. Uh, I love the pitch clock. I'm not opposed to evolution and and the evolving of the game, but when you lose the fundamentals along along the way, I know it's hard. And you know, if you're a manager, a coach, a player. You're thumbing your nose at the, at the uh, post-game host that is saying, you don't know what it's like. You just don't know what it's like. It's, it's really difficult to put a bunt down when he's gassing 98 up and in. Stop. No, I, I don't. I can only compare it to, to all the other baseball lore, all the other baseball history, all the other baseball games, all the other baseball managers, all the other baseball positions, situations, philosophies, all of these games. Other teams still do it, mm-hmm. and they do it well. So just just know that that other teams are still doing some of those things really, really well. What about Tony Larusa um, a few years ago when he had in certain uh, uh, bunt defense would have his whole infield charge charge in during the pitch during the windup. He would he would he would have his infield run toward home plate, and then other times it would be. You know, the psych job, it'll be run toward home plate, stop, and go back pedal a little bit. I mean, those types of things, that's strategy. That's, so when you say they're going to lose or they're going to win these baseball games on a given situation, a given play, a given move the runner over, a given throw, in a weird way, Toby, though, that's super entertaining baseball, right? Because yeah. it's just it's right there, and it's really breaking down. And kind of digging in and doing a deep dive into, into the strategy of baseball. And that's, I think baseball should never lose that part of it, is that strategy part, and not just have home run derby. Totally agree. In a game that's begging for action, they're taking all the action away by just swinging for the fence every time. Exactly. That's exactly right. That's, that's right.